you're going to want to have the Bible on your lap for this. I invite you just to pull it out of the sleeve in front of you if you've put it away. It's John chapter 20. I'm sure you know this, but I'll just remind you that the New Testament was not written in English. It was written in ancient Greek. And John chapter 20 is one of those chapters where you really should know Greek. You really should be able to read it in Greek. You get so much more out of it. So for our sake this morning, instead of teaching you all of ancient Greek, I'm just going to teach you three Greek words. I'm going to put them on the wall behind me. They'll be there almost the whole sermon. And we translate them all the same way in John chapter 20. We say that all of them are to see. But actually, there's three different Greek words. There's blepo, which means simply to see plainly. It's to have the faculty of sight. It's like I see that you're right there before me in those pews. There's also theoreo, which means to contemplate or to consider. Like when you say, oh yes, I see the point you're making. That's theoreo. Thirdly, there's horao, which means to behold or literally to be ushered into the presence of. For example, if I were to say to you, come on, let's go see the king, you'd be ushered right into his presence. You would behold him. He would be there in your midst. So these three Greek words are all in John chapter 20, but we say that they're all to see. And actually on some level, we get this in English because we use these terms in somewhat the same way. For example, sometimes you see the cross hanging on the wall behind me. And you just see it. You blepo it. You see that it's hanging there. Somebody affixed it to the wall. It's made out of wood. It's got some nice dark stain on it. You see it. On the other hand, sometimes you're sitting there and you theoreo the cross. You consider it. You contemplate the importance, the significance of the cross. Why it's the symbol of our faith that Jesus went there and he received the full brunt force of God's wrath upon himself, the wrath that you and I deserve because of our sins. You see the cross. Other times, sometimes this happens on Good Friday or even when we go to the communion table, you look at that cross and you behold him. You say, my Lord and my God. You died there for me. You can see Jesus dying in your mind's eye. It's as if you have been ushered into the very presence of the foot of the cross. You behold him. So in some sense, in English, we understand that we can see, we can see, or we can truly see. And what John chapter 20 shows us, and I'll show you what it means, what each of these, how each of these verbs are used, but what John is trying to reveal to us is that the resurrection allows us to truly see Jesus, to behold him, to be ushered into his presence. So we're going to read through some of these verses again, and I'll point out to you which verbs are being used. So we're going to start with verse 1, but as we do that, I just want you to picture something in your mind's eye. I want you to visualize what John wants us to see. He wants us to see, as we read John chapter 20, a sunrise. We'll see in verse 1 that it's still dark when Mary Magdalene arrives at the tomb. So that means that over the next few minutes, over the next hours, as these events unfold, the sun is rising and more and more light is being shed on the situation. Even as they go further and further into the tomb, which you would expect to find darkness inside a cave, more and more illumination, more and more light is shed on what they're discovering, what they're seeing. So let's read it and let's see how the resurrection allows us to truly behold Jesus. Verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Blepo. 
She's simply collecting information here. She's gathering data about what she's seeing. She saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now we have to just pause there and mention something. Isn't this funny? John's writing this, and he could have just said, Peter and I ran to the tomb, but instead he refers to himself as the other disciple, you know, the one whom Jesus loved, (laughs) the one who runs faster than the other disciples. Just this funny false humility here. That's just a side note. That has nothing to do with the point of the sermon. I just had to point that out. Verse 5, it says, stooping to look in, he, John, saw the linen cloths lying there. That's Blepo. He's simply collecting information. He's standing outside the entrance to the tomb, looking in, and he sees plainly with his own eyes the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, the slow one, you know, and went into the tomb. We're getting deeper into the tomb. Peter saw the linen cloths lying there, theoreo. He's beginning to think more deeply about the things that they're seeing. He's beginning to consider this. There's an empty tomb. The stone's been rolled away. The grave cloths are lying here. Let me contemplate this. Verse 7, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. So now John is entering into what would be a dark tomb, but guess what? He saw and believed. Horao. He is now beholding. He is now in the presence of the risen Christ. He went from seeing information, seeing details to Peter considering and contemplating the importance of these things. And now finally, John, fully into the depth of the tomb, is beholding Jesus. He's having a real experience with the risen Christ. Now, I want to just suggest to you that I think this is a metaphor. It's a true story, but it's also a metaphor for those of us who are on the Christian journey, those of us who have Christian faith. I think any of us could be placed into one of these categories in our relationship with Jesus. We either see him, you know, we recognize that he was a historical figure, that he lived, that there was a man named Jesus 2,000 years ago. That's just seeing him. That's blepo. Or... We consider his importance for the world, the importance for our lives. We theoreo, we have theology about him. I'll just confess to you, this is often where I live in my relationship with Jesus. I know all the theology. I know the significance, the importance of the man Jesus, of the Messiah, of the one who went to the cross and rose again. But still others live most of their time in the third category. They behold him. They're in his presence. These are the people who say things like, I felt him holding my hand when I went into that job interview. Or I sensed his presence in that hospital room when I was grieving my mother. We either see him or we consider him more deeply or we truly behold him as a presence in our lives. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 and 6 says this, and I'll put this on the wall as well, yes. The God of this world, that's not our God, that's a lowercase g, that's Satan actually. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel 
of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is what Peter and John experienced on resurrection morning. They experienced the sunrise of their intellect. They saw, then they contemplated, then they beheld the risen Christ. As the sun was rising over these events, they knew more deeply the reality of the resurrection and the risenness of Christ. But even so, in these first 10 verses, it really is an intellectual exercise. It's a seeing and a seeing and a seeing in the mind's eye. They don't actually come into real physical proximity with Jesus himself. It's not relational, it's intellectual at this point. Jesus reserves that type of sunrise for Mary Magdalene, with whom you can tell clearly from the text he was very close. And so Mary experiences her own kind of sunrise, but hers is different than Peter's and John's because Mary is deep, deep under the dark cloak of grieving. Clearly, she loved Jesus. And she's come to the garden that morning with spices prepared to place upon his dead body. She has a category, it's called grief, and she's expecting a dead body. She does not have a category called resurrection yet. It does not does not come into her mind until Jesus pulls the cloak of her grief off of her, not by showing her something, but by speaking to her. Her faith comes by hearing, by hearing her name called. Even when she sees things plainly, as we're going to walk through and see this again, she still can't comprehend it. She has no category for resurrection. She's deep under the dark cloak of her grief until Jesus pulls it off and gives her her own sunrise. Let's begin in verse 11 to see how this plays out. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white. That's theoreto. She's more than just taking in information now. She's considering this. She sees two angels sitting in white uh, where the body of Jesus had lain, one at his head and one at his feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now let's pause and consider this for just a moment. Mary is seeing things. She's seen a stone that's rolled away from the tomb. She sees an empty tomb. She sees linen cloths. Now she sees two angels standing before her. Even so, she cannot believe what she's seeing. She starts talking with these two angels right before her very eye, saying, do you guys know where the body is? Imagine that. And it gets even more interesting. She goes on. It says in verse 14, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was him. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. With her eyes, with her visual eyes, she's now seeing the actual risen Jesus and she's talking to him. Do you know where the dead body is? She has no category for resurrection yet because she's deep under the cloak, the dark cloak of her grief until Jesus gives her her own personal sunrise by pulling that cloak off of her and saying, Mary. And suddenly, in hearing her own name, she realizes the sun 
has risen. It's Jesus. Now, when I read this, I immediately think of John chapter 10, where Jesus is describing himself as the good shepherd. And he says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice, and I will call them by name and draw them out. I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. I will call them by name and draw them out. That's exactly what Jesus, the good shepherd, is doing for his dear Mary Magdalene in this moment. He calls her by name and draws her out of her place of grief and gives her a whole new category that she was not expecting, a category called resurrection, and it changes everything for her. She whips around. She says to him, Rabboni, this must have been what she dearly called him, before he went to the cross in their years together and suddenly we realize that she's clinging on to him and it says in the other gospels that she's kissing his feet she's holding on to his feet and she's kissing his feet as if she will not let him go and then he says this really funny thing did that surprise any of you where he says don't cling to me why would he say that wouldn't we want him just to say mary soak it in take as long as you want You thought I was dead. Here I am standing before you. Go ahead. Hug me longer. Well, I think there's a kind of a little bit of a joke in the text. I think it's supposed to be a little bit funny because we know and Jesus knows that 40 days later, he's going to literally physically ascend up into the clouds. He knows that that's coming. And here she is holding on to his feet. It's almost like a child holding on to the string of a balloon, thinking, I can't let you go now. Jesus almost laughingly says, now, Mary, I'm not going up just yet. Don't cling to me. But more importantly, he sends her. The reason he says, don't cling to me now, is because he sends her on mission. He says, go. Tell the brothers what you've seen. Go and tell them. And so she runs. Now just picture her in that moment, going to find the other disciples. I imagine her feet barely even touched the ground as she fled to go tell them. Now, Just picture the difference between the way she left the garden and the way she entered the garden. She came bearing spices, looking for a dead body, having only one category called death. And then Jesus gives her a whole new one and she leaves in a whole different mindset. Some of us come to church in the same way that she came to the garden, really with no real actual expectation that Jesus would be here in our midst, that he actually rose from the dead. But in his grace, he calls us by name. He reaches out to us. He draws us out of our place of grief or disappointment or skepticism or doubt. And he says our names. And we can see him. We can behold him face to face. And so it says in verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Now, which of the three verbs do you think she used? Hora'o, I've beheld him. I've been in his presence. He's alive. It's true. It's real. I wasn't just seeing something simply. I wasn't even just considering the importance of it all. I've been in his presence. That's the message that Mary got to preach, that she got to tell to the other disciples. Now ask yourself this morning, where are you on that scale of seeing Jesus? Do you simply know that he existed? 
If so, my prayer for you this morning is that you'd see him, that you'd contemplate him, that you'd consider his importance, why he went to the cross, who he is for the world, who he is for you. I said earlier, this is kind of where I live oftentimes in my relationship with him. I theoreo him. And if that's you, my prayer would be that today you would truly behold him. Maybe it's in the breaking of bread. Maybe it's in your prayer time. Maybe it's even now in this moment that you would have the eyes of your heart opened and you would behold Jesus. Maybe some of you just need to hear your name called by him. You're under the dark cloak of something you're grieving, some situation that's difficult. Maybe it's been years of doubt or skepticism. You're just not really sure this whole faith thing really is for you. My prayer for you is that you would hear the good shepherd's voice in some new way today. That you'd hear him call your name and that you would turn and behold him and see him and grab on to him. Because when we do that, he gives us a new mission. He tells us to go to the people in our lives and to tell them what we've seen, what we've experienced, that he's alive. I want to tell you a personal experience of something that I had just this, in the past couple of days that's related to this. Everyone who's on the staff team here at church, we went away on a staff retreat for two and a half days this past week. And one of the main things that Pastor Chuck had us deal with was places in our own hearts, places in our own lives where we're grieving, where we're grieving loss, where we're experiencing regret or disappointment. And we just collectively walked through that. And Ingrid Davis, who is such a gift to this church, she led us collectively through an inner healing prayer. So there we were. We were all under her direction, having been guided to a, an old memory, an old place. It was unique for each one of us, an old place of grief, a, a place of regret. For me, I was back in Michigan and just thinking about something from about 11 years ago where I have a little bit of regret and disappointment and grief. And Ingrid walked us into those spaces. And just like Mary Magdalene then, we were all sort of in a place of grief. But then Ingrid said, now just invite Jesus to come into that memory. And I just want to tell you as a pastor, I'm sitting there in that room and I'm, as, as Ingrid's leading us, I'm praying for everyone else. You know what I'm saying? Lord, let Lance meet Jesus right now. Lord, I pray that Patricia really encounters you. And, but when Ingrid said, invite Jesus into that memory, suddenly he was there for me. There he was, his face right in front of mine. It was amazing. And he, he very gently took my face and turned it away from the memory and turned it towards his face. And he said something that's really funny. Those of you who are parents of little girls, you'll understand why this is hilarious. Jesus looked me right in the face and he said, let it go, let it go. <laughs> The past is in the past. And I almost started laughing out loud. Those of you who don't know why that's funny, ask a young girl after church about what those song lyrics are from. Thank you, Walt Disney Corporation. But it was really Jesus. It was really him. I'm telling you, Ingrid led us into that moment, and the risen Christ met me, the one who likes to live in the theoreo, to contemplate or consider the importance of Jesus. Suddenly, he came into the garden. He pulled me out of my grief and my regret, 
And he looked me in the face and I was beholding the risen Christ. And so my mission to you, just like Mary's was, is to tell you, I have seen the Lord. And if you see him, go tell the others. And if you've never seen him, my prayer for you is that you would, that you'd hear his voice calling your name, that he'd pull that veil up, that you'd see him face to face. And even in this life, if you never get that chance, have hope in the final day when scripture says, we shall behold him face to face. I anticipate that day when we all get to behold him together. Amen.